Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. Hi, I'm M. David Green, and in this episode I talk with Paula Jenkins, a transformational life coach with a background in project management who decided to apply her practical experience to the universal quest for joy. She's also the host of a podcast called Jumpstart Your Joy, where she talks with people about the ways that they make joy part of their lives. We'll find out from Paula who her top fantasy podcast guests are, how she reconciles her work and her family life, and also she'll teach us one of the most joyful techniques ever for responding to failure. So Paula, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of what, what you've been doing with your, uh, your life coaching? Sure. So I, um, let's see, I started on a certification program last January, so about a year, year ago, and it is called the Courageous Coaching Training Program. I'll plug it a little. <laughs> it was, it was really good. Um, for the last 11 years though, I had been leading retreats, um, and wanted to do more of that. So I actually worked with my own coach, uh, Michelle Ward for a while to kind of figure out like, what do I want to do? And it was really funny because out of that, I actually came away thinking I wanted to be like an efficiency coach. Like, I don't even know what that, that is, but that's not what I'm going to do. Um, and so I went to, you know, I went to get certified for her, just coaching in general and realized that really transformation and, I don't know, kind of digging deep on tough topics and that kind of thing is what I really loved. You said uh, you were originally thinking about going for being an efficiency coach. I mean, what, what, what made you think that that was the right direction for you at the time? Well, I've been a project manager for even longer, like 15 years at this point. And um, so there's a part of me that really loves efficiency and that loves process and that loves putting things in order. Um, but it's really interesting after going through the program, I was really fighting internally with this idea of, do I want to continue and get certified as a project management professional? So the PMP certification through PMI. Or do I want to stick with the life coaching certification and really the heart side of it one. And I've made a very um, intentional decision to walk away from PMP certification, even though it was something that my job would have paid for. But I just thought, I feel like my future is much more um, in kind of the, I'll call it the healing art. So uh, while I love process, I just didn't think that that's where I would be in the next 15 years. I can understand that. And how do you distinguish, I mean, you, you've came, you use the term transformational life coach. How do you define that? It's a tricky one, right? <laughs> so I think we're all trying, we, we get told these messages like you need to niche or niche down and, and that'll help you get more of an audience or whatever. And really for me, I found that the theme that I'm always drawn to is people really wanting to make a change even interestingly enough on the process side of things. Like if I come to an, a new company, I really like to be the person that gets in there and makes suggestions of like, how can you do this better? And so that really nicely translated over to, not that I as a coach make suggestions, but I really like to walk with people as they are looking to make change in their life. Um, and some of that came out of 
what I mean, the spiritual side of it, I think a lot of what I was drawn to on um, in Christianity is the transformation and the transformative nature of that whole story. And I'm being very specific about calling it a story. Like, you know, I love how different religions see change and how people can change by following that religion. Um, but, and that's actually my educational background, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> I have a master of arts and religion. So, uh, yeah, kind of crazy to walk both those lines. Uh, but as far as transformation, I also really love the work that I was doing as a retreat leader and getting to see the aha moments for people as they realize something either about themselves or about a relationship or about what they really wanted. And so that is what really drew me in. Um, and then more recently, I had uh, a son five years ago, and that was a really rough birth process. It was 56 hours and I was diagnosed with PTSD after that. So there was definitely a transformation that came for me. Like, who was I? And knowing that I had to fight to feel like just me, you know what I mean? So, so there was a transformation that happened. And through that, was it was really like I could see the power of both the therapist that I saw during that time. Um, but then also some of the really deep work that I had done with trying to figure out who and what I wanted to be after that kind of an event in my life. Uh, so I think that's what drew me to transformation. That, that is fascinating. So you, you've, uh, you took inspiration both from your religious background and also from the therapeutic background that, that, that came up when you were being uh, dealt, when you were dealing with the PTSD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm curious how you balanced those. I mean, it it seems like uh, it it's they they both contribute in different ways to the sort of work that you're doing now. As a coach, I don't bring up. I mean, if somebody wanted to bring up Christianity or religion, I'm right there with them. Like I'm happy to talk about it and go deep and and ask the big questions. But I am not. I mean, I don't know that any of my clients, if you ask them, if if they didn't first self-identify as one religion or another, they they probably would have no idea what I what I am or what my background is, and, you know, unless they read my blog or whatever, but it just doesn't come up for me. I feel like that just needs to fall away because to get the work done, they need to be them. And I'm there with them. That's interesting. So I'm really curious about the, the training that you went through. It seems like you went through almost a year of training to be a life coach. Yes, I did. Um, the program itself is run by Kate Swoboda and um, she modeled it to go along with the International Coaching Federation and that's a different certification program. So all of our hours and everything that we did would would flow into that should any of us want to be certi certified by the ICF. Um, the training itself starts off with a weekend retreat uh, and that's when we all met each other because then after we went home, it became a distance learning piece. So we would get on phone calls both Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, one would be a teaching call and the other would be a field work call where we would exchange or listen to other people being coached to start to learn technique and, you know, and then kind of talk about how that thing went. Um, so we had class, I'm trying to think, January through May, that there's a, there's a summer break so that you can continue to accumulate hours. It's also a program where you're thrown in right away, like during that first weekend, we were actually coaching people. And that if you don't start doing it, you don't really know how to use it. So, um, it was exciting in that way. But yeah, it's definitely, there's, it's a heart centered kind of, it's a courageous coaching program by name. Um, so it's really encouraging people to look at what, what they do, what motivates them. Um, and there's 
there's nothing about it that's tough love, thank God, because I, <laughs> I can't ha- I can't handle that. So um, it's very much being and meeting someone where they are and then helping them to get to where they desire to be. And, you know, holding them accountable for it at a certain level. Confronting with kindness is what we would do instead of just being like, well, you know, I'm not going to get anybody's face. I'm, that's not who I am at all. So I'd have a hard time doing that. I, I can I can imagine. I'm, I'm curious uh, how how are you integrating this into your your life and your career? Because this is this is a big change from being a, a project manager, right? So true. Yes. So um, I I mean, let's see. I made the agreement. Like my my husband and I sat down and had this discussion of, okay, if I'm doing this, you know, is it okay with you? <laughs> big change you know it's not something you just want to like arbitrarily go into absolutely and so as a family i want to make sure that we had that aligned and that we were both on the same page with it um so from that perspective yes we were and he actually had gone back for training to be a chef so it's not like we've both done something that's kind of a transformational (laughs) thing in the last few years so this is a running theme in your life both for you and your husband (laughs) yes yes (laughs) Um, so that, yeah, so I will admit that I looked for a job, um, that would, would be able to support what I wanted to do. And that would give me the space. And by that very specifically, I mean the emotional space to dig in and do the training. Cause I really didn't want it to be something that I was like trying to juggle. Sorry. I didn't want it to be something that I would, I was trying to juggle and didn't have kind of the brain space to make it work. Um, so being a release manager in an IT department, there's not a lot. Well, ironically, there are some emotional things. That come up. <laughs> you know, being, being a release manager in an IT department is a very high stress position, actually. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Which is interesting because I went from being a project manager to a release manager. But uh, I mean, it's been good. It's But it's a good space to have that the flexibility. Are you also... Um yourself since you're going through this transformation are you seeing a transformational life coach to help you through this um i had been so the interesting thing there is that to start it off yes i i made the decision to, that i knew i wanted to do more of whatever retreat leadership was and that was with um michelle ward and she is the when i grow up coach uh so you can pick her up if you want but she's really good if somebody knows that they want to make a change in careers that's what she does and her thing is that you know, be able to pay the bills, not live in your parents' basement and eat ramen, but do something that you love. Not that there's any wrong, anything wrong with either of those things. But as an adult, the argument would be you you prefer to have your own place. Sure. It's nice to be comfortable as well while you're doing it. I mean, there's so much is changing during a transformation. You may as well have some comfort. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, How did you find her? Gosh, that... That's funny. I think it, it was just online. I had started following um, someone who is a pattern artist just out of like, oh my gosh, who is this person? And she does this amazing art and her name is Jessica Swift. And she and Michelle wrote a book together probably six years ago now. So it was really one of those things like it was just, they did a collaboration. I was following one person, they did a collaboration. And then I'm like, who is this Michelle person? And uh, yeah, from there I, got, I became her client. And it was Interestingly, from the marketing perspective, it was probably a really long lead. I was probably three or four years before I ever signed up for anything. So, um, yeah, I was in marketing a long time. So these things are interesting to me. But 
that no, that's that's actually relevant to to what you're doing too. Because now you're you're starting up a new business. Now you have to start thinking about the marketing side of things. What are you? What have you been doing to build up the the client base that you're going to need in order to support this? Um, well, one of them is a podcast. I feel like it's an excellent way for anybody that's in a consulting um, kind of a role, which I would consider this somewhat, but. For people to start to know you because what drew me to it was i started listening to pat flynn i don't know if people know smart passive income um it's an excellent podcast <laughs> I, I will definitely i'll link to that in the show notes awesome as well. yeah he's charming um and has a huge follow uh, just a huge following and then lewis howes obviously i find very inspirational and i've i've found and then actually michelle ward started a podcast as well and i really found that it almost feels like you're spending time with these people <laughs> and you get to know them really well. And I feel like that is the reason why I would want to either interview or spend time with or work with those people. So I very deliberately was like, well, I got to put myself out there. I got to be vulnerable. But, you know, that's what I'm coaching people how to do. So that was that's one of the ways is that I just want people to start to know who I am and connect. So the podcast starts as, as both a way to network with other people who are already moving forward in this area, but also as a way to market to potential clients. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and very specifically, I wanted to go after a topic that I felt passionate about, which is joy. And and kind of going back to that birth story is after after that happened, I was like, I knew I didn't feel like myself and I knew that it was a it was a choice to go after like having an infant son and being like I want to be present for this little person but I don't even know I don't know how to get there and so it was like this fight to be joyful and so there was that angle and and um and that's really what motivated I mean that's kind of the backstory of who most of my guests are not been through PTSD but that there's some transformational story in there that where they had to fight for joy or they really intentionally thought i want to be joyful and so i'm going to do these things in my life and in many cases it's a career um that then comes out of whatever that decision was um like uh who amy evazade is a doctor who is a fertility specialist and she talks about how her mother she heard her mom crying about you know losing children and she was like, I've got, to, I've, I've got to make this what I do, right? Like she, she doesn't want anyone else to cry over that kind of thing. So, I mean, not that those are specifically what I, I coach on, but, but there's the link there too, that like, I want people to be that joyful. And there is, and they can get there. <laughs> they can. That's uh, that's wonderful. I mean, the the, uh, the name of your podcast, Jumpstart Your Joy, it really stands out. It's, it's really about a very positive, uh, forward-moving message. Yeah. It is. Thanks. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because a couple of the guests, if not more than a couple, they're like, this was so much fun to talk about joy for, you know, or whatever. It's just, you know, I had Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie on a couple episodes ago and she, she's a hoot. Um, and she, at the end, she's like, gosh, I wish more interviews were like this. This is fun. And so I'm, I'm honored to be that person because I also want to help spread those messages of like, People can go through really hard stuff. And I, it doesn't mean that that has to be a defining principle of then who they are after that hard thing. You know, you can decide to be the victim and let it define who you are, or you can decide to be like, no, I'm going to fight through this and find out what's on the other side. And obviously, 
what the latter would be the one that I go after. <laughs> Is that how you work with your clients as well? Focusing on, on the emphasis on joy through transformation? Yeah. I mean, in general, I, I don't push it, you know, I don't push joy. <laughs> I'm not a joy pusher. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say that I mean, I want for them to feel whatever whole is for them, if that makes sense. Like, I would, I want the, for them to define who they are and what they, what they want for their life. And I, I mean, I haven't really polled them, but my, you know, and I've, I, as part of the program, you have to do at least 60 hours. And I've probably done over 100 at this point. But like, so I haven't polled them to ask, but I would imagine they say they're happier once they can define what it is that they want out of life, either that be their career or, or, you know, what they really want to go after or, or the parent that they want to be, or if they're trying to release something, then I can tell that they actually do feel more joy just in the way they talk about themselves after that. So when, when you're, uh, I, you've got a lot to keep track of when you're trying to build up a, a client base and trying to keep the job and of course, trying to maintain the, the family and you've got a, a you know, a five-year-old son, uh, I'm curious what, you know, you, you must need to set up some sort of routines in your life, some sort of like patterns for the way that you get things done. Uh, what kind of what kind of routine are you following? Some of the things that I've found to be super helpful is calendars, obviously, but um, I connected my work Outlook calendar with my personal Google Gmail calendar, and I can help send you a link for how to do that if people don't know, but then I could see absolutely every appointment I had on one iPhone, right? And that, I, I don't know why I'm that, that was a game changer because there were days where I would open up my calendar and be like, oh crud, like I'm double booked for lunch. And you know, like I was doing a lot of my coaching and still do over my lunch hour. Cause I figured, you know, that's the time that the, that I'm not really working. So I could do something else with that time. And so that also became a good way to keep track of it was, just to have the appointments always on the same at the same time every day if I was making them so that I wasn't trying to keep track of, oh, is I don't have a client named Trina, but you know, is Trina is at one or at six or at noon? No. If everybody's noon and you're juggling more than one job at a time, then that makes it easy. Um, so the Google Calendar. Family wise, we also have a very big, I'm pointing to the kitchen, we have a big calendar up in the kitchen where we write down stuff. So, you know, our, our five-year-olds in a bowling league. Yes. And You're uh, kidding. That's, bowling no. at five? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. He has a bowling partner. It's the best. <laughs> it's really the cute. It's the cutest, most joyful thing ever. I can um, just imagine. Yeah. Well, and they don't really, you know, they don't, they, they just go up and throw the ball basically and the bumpers are up. And so it kind of bumps back. It's cute. So... Anyway, so those appointments, family and otherwise, in days that his his preschool, because he just just missed the kindergarten cutoff, so he's still in preschool. But um, all that goes, those days off go on a big calendar. So my husband and I can see them. So there's not like a big surprise, like, oh, crap, this Friday is a teacher day. And who's staying home? Like, we can get ahead of it. We also, <laughs> rather project managerially or something, um, started having kind of a Sunday check-in with each other because... Otherwise, the weekend would get, I mean, you know, the weekend would get away from us. We're ready to go in on Monday. And if we had something during the week, especially evenings, then we needed to coordinate it. So while that sounds a little bit forced, we would get into the habit. We haven't, I mean, I know there's nothing going on this week, but 
we get into the habit of saying, okay, do you have anything going on after walk, you know, after work that we need to help cover since we have this person that we need to get places and feed and <laughs> whatever, you know? Um, so there's that. Uh, and then there's a few tools that I used and I can talk about those if that's of interest. Um, oh, absolutely. It's definitely necessary to keep track of uh, all of these different pieces and the electronic tools and services that are out there these days can make that both really confusing and really convenient. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. Um, so we use, or we have used Cozy, which is C-O-Z-I, and it lets you just do to-do lists back and forth on multiple devices. So if there was a moment in my work day that I was like, um, I don't, you know, I've got like 10 minutes before a meeting and I can't really bust out, you know, like a statement of work in 10 minutes. I would just pull that up and be like, oh, I need to call this person about that. And I just make a personal call. You know, if you have a job where you can do that, if you can keep your to-do list in front of you, then you could take those minutes where you're like, ah, oh, that's not enough time to, well, it probably is enough time to do something. So using those, there's a book called The Fringe Hours. It does not really about that, but I like to call that the fringe hours where it's like, these are just these little bits of time and the fringe time that you could use. Hmm. What else? Um, for calendaring, I use Calendly, which I believe you use as well. Um, oh, yes. Have... Absolutely. Calendly is great for setting, letting people set appointments for you. Right. Exactly. And it misses all that back and forth. Um, PayPal for billing. Um, and then Uber Conference for conference calls, which and they do a free recording. So you could just send a client the recording of the session if they want to listen to it. Um, or record something if you're like, you know, working on collaboration or whatever. It's really easy. Also good for podcasts. I've done a couple podcasts that way. Okay. I don't um, think I've heard of Uber Conference before. It's good. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's a link. I think it's just uberconference.com. But... <laughs> Is it a, a, exclusively a one-on-one -on -one thing or does it handle multiple people? You can do multiples. Yeah. It's like the full, full thing. And I mean, it says up front that it's free, but like, uh, you know, and you have a pin and, um, people have to know the pin to get in uh they also it, th there's also some email functionality to it where it'll remind people if they have an upcoming appointment or whatever um, interesting interesting cool okay. music that you pay if you pay you could customize <laughs> right though all the advanced features yeah. oh yeah all the bells and whistles i think those i mean i tried some of the project management stuff because since i know that world like asana is really helpful a i think it's aasana um but a lot of it, if it's just me and I'm not collaborating with the team, like I didn't really see the need to do that. My favorite of those collaborative tools are pro is probably Basecamp, just because it's pretty straightforward. Okay. And, and it is just you running running, running this uh, this business right now. You don't have anybody else who's working with you on this? No, it's just me. I'm hoping to get an editor to help with podcasts just because even taking out the ums and ahs and the awkward pauses or whatever that takes more time than I would have thought it would but well, those ums and ahs are flavor so we're just keeping it real <laughs> exactly uh where do you host your podcasts I am on Libsyn oh okay yeah and it's been fine <laughs> the only hiccup I saw was this last episode I'm a Tuesday show, which I may change because Tuesday seems, it's like, I don't know, it feels really hurried, right? As the start week starts. Um, but there were, what, five Tuesdays in December? Isn't that exciting? But so that meant that I 
hit my maximum amount of you know storage space and I couldn't upload on Tuesday when I got there. So I was like, well, I guess this week we're going on Friday. So I just needed to pay for more, right? But I just, I don't know, perfectionism. I was like, no, I'm going to not pay more. No, I, I know that urge to like optimize that $5 a month account that you don't want to spend. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, totally. They won't get those $5 out of me. <laughs> That's right. I will waste seven hours of my time and, and disappoint my audience. And I just will not spend that extra dollar a month. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Well, when I looked at it, I think it's like 20 bucks a month. If you want a little bit more, that would accommodate that random five Tuesdays in a month situation. So. So one thing that, uh, that I really like about Jumpstart Your Joy, you're very, you're very regular with, with your, uh, with your episodes, you, you come out on a regular basis. Everybody knows when to anticipate. How do you keep yourself to a schedule like that? Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, uh, I've taken to batching my interviews because that works really well, um, in part because it means I could take a single day off work and then line up. I think I've done, was it five one day? One day. And that, that was pretty intense. That sounds really intense. Five <laughs> interviews in a single day? Yeah, it's fun though. Um, it's fun just to, to dive in and do it. And then I then I was editing as I go. Um, I don't really know if I know any tricks of the trade there. I mean, I definitely, like as I'm editing, I keep, um, actually use Notepad. I probably just so it doesn't grab the formatting when I want to dump it into WordPress. But, and I'm typing as I go, like, either grabbing the, the highlights that I'm hearing in case I don't remember them um, or typing, you know, hitting pause and just typing in the, the quotes as they come up so that I can use them either to, you know, put as the Facebook update or to tweet out or whatever. But then they're in a, a place where I can grab the actual text and not have to go back and be like, oh, I remember they said something about this and I wish I could, you know, put it, you know, have to scrub back through it. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's really just being deliberate about it. Um, there were a couple weeks, I'm trying to think, where, like I said, Tuesday is my day. You know, and I usually go up on Monday at midnight just so people, because I figure morning commute's the thing to grab. But then there have been times when I'm like, well, you know, Tuesday is Tuesday. And either what hap whatever happened, I'm going at 11 p.m. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's also allowing yourself, um, giving yourself permission to just be a little bit flexible. And not beating yourself up if it doesn't happen at, at midnight on Monday. Well, you're a lot more regular than a lot of other podcasters <laughs> out there, and I think I think that's an advantage. I think I think people appreciate that. Oh, thanks. How, yeah. how how do you keep yourself motivated to to keep this going? Because it's it's uh, it's a big challenge, I'm sure. It is. Um, well, I mean, this will sound a little bit campy, but I mean, I I find that there is something about every one of the guests that I've had on that it just delights me. And that, I mean, I've jokingly said to someone like, I feel like I have a little crush on every guest, like in a silly little way. And it's them. It's like knowing that I get to talk to really cool people. Uh, you know, for me, talking to Nellie Olson was <laughs> absurdly awesome because like I loved Little House on the Prairie growing up. And so, knowing that I don't know who will say yes next. There's something about the chase as well of, you know, having a running list 
uh, like for the next year. I would love, to, I've already, I'll keep saying this because I want all four of these people to say yes, but Boy George, <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert, Ram Dass, and Betty White. You know, like what's more joyful than that four? <laughs> I would listen to all four of those. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome list. <laughs> yeah, that's my aspirational list. And um, so I'll find a way, you know, and if they don't all three say, or all four say yes, then, you know, that happens too. But um, I think there's something about that, like just knowing that someday, because I'm a, I don't know why, but I just love Boy George. So knowing someday I might get to talk to him and he's a great transformation story, right? Like I realized I just got really loud, but he's, I mean, that's what that guy's about. Same thing with Ram Dass, like these people. And, you know, uh, I would just, I would love to talk to them. The aspirational quality of who you might get to speak to. And then I think there's also the other piece of knowing that getting to share some of these stories, because I love the higher profile guests. I mean, who doesn't? But there's something about being able to share some of, you know, real people stories that is also really motivating. Because I think, like my friend, uh, Rachel Maddox is one of the guests that I had on too. And she went through sexual trauma as a child, which is like, not, I mean, you know, not an uplifting topic, but she just wrote a book called Secret Bad Girl about it. And to have her on and have her talk about that transformation and know that it might help some other people either just feel like they're not alone or feel like somebody else gets me or whatever it is, like knowing that you might give somebody else that little bump of joy or that bump of hope or whatever it is that keeps them going, like that also is totally motivating. Even in like the hard times, it's like somebody else needs this message. So I'm, I'm honored to even be a part of it. I love that. I, and I, I can see why that would be motivating. That would keep you keep you energized in times when, when it's more difficult trying to push through all of the, you know, I have to edit this and get it posted by this time. And my, yeah. yeah. What uh, you mentioned a little bit about about running retreats. I'm curious, what prepared you for for what you're doing with the with the podcasting and with the with the coaching in general? I mean, coaching. I've always been somebody that connects with people. I think that's just kind of an inherent part of who I am. Um, and I see it now that I've been through coaching training, but I'm a, I, I have a high level of intuition about people that just kind of helps me see like hey, here's a big pattern that and I can tease out little things and, sh and, you know, lovingly show it to someone and say, hey, I'm hearing this or this. And then it often opens doors for them because they're like, oh, I didn't even see that in my own life. How did you get there? Um, so there's something about that that's kind of cool to be able to use that. I think for both of them, though, there's also, <laughs> this will sound so funny, but um, back 11 years ago, I realized that I really missed acting. Not that I was ever a professional, but back in college and high school, I did a lot of it. And so I was like, hey, I want to do more of that. Again, following the what do you want to do more of theme. Um, and then upstairs from there, so I went to ACTA in San Francisco. Um, this, the class upstairs was improv. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to do that next. So I started taking improv um there and then moved over to Bay Area Theater Sports, which is also San Francisco um, for a while. I think I've been through almost all their training. Improv is amazingly good at teaching both interview skills, coaching skills, 
they're very similar because it's holding space. It's being really present for people. It's listening really closely to what they're saying. Um, and then being really heartfelt and genuine in what the response is that you give back to them. So in, it's strangely not something that's usually comedy is I think what my biggest, my biggest teacher was for that. You know, that makes perfect sense. And when I listen to you, uh, to you doing an interview on your podcast, one of the things that I love is the way that you stay engaged mm-hmm. and you keep drawing your, your, your guest forward and, building on what's there is it's like you're building a scene in an improv uh, situation and I, I can really see that training there thank you that's very that's a high compliment so thank you yeah it's i guess the piece that is standing out to me is that in improv you very quickly learn that it's great to take risks uh, one of my favorite lessons from improv is you know as a troupe is like kind of training together and you're running scenes and just because i mean if you do see an improv troupe it is really improv like they're not they didn't practice scenes with words and then just change it up. Like it really is live. And so to be vulnerable and take the risk to say something in front of a crowd that might be a little bit like, what is that? You have to get really far into your gut with it. And you also have to have this confidence that what you're about to say is genuinely and authentically enough you and your point of view that it will either be funny or land or, you know what I mean? Or, or offer an insight. But there's also the total opportunity to just fail, right? And so as a group, um, <laughs> if somebody does one of those where it's just like a really weird, awkward moment, I mean, we're, we were encouraged to put our hands up and just go, I failed! <laughs> and then everyone claps! <laughs> oh, we need, to do, we need to do that in our lives. We need to, like, to have the opportunity. <laughs> I failed! <laughs> I failed! Yay! Yeah, and that celebration that you that you took the risk and that you you couldn't have failed unless you took the risk. So there's something about that. And what, the other one that I think is really awesome, um, is which, I don't know, accepting all offers is nice as well because it means if somebody puts something out there, it's the yes and, right? You're building on a scene. You're not just going, you know, somebody endows you with, um, well, hello, Dr. Smith. You say, well, hello. I mean, you call me, you want to call me a nurse, whatever, but hello, nurse Jenkins, you know, <laughs> like you, you, you're yesing your way through the scene, right? You're not like, no, I'm not a doctor. Cause that stops, that stops the energy, it stops the flow. So I think there's pieces of both those that like, you know, that really, that tie into podcasting because you have to be able to take the, the risk and be authentically you and, and make the space welcoming enough so that somebody else feels like, hey, if I fail, this other person's got me. And uh, I think that's what makes a good <laughs> good interviewing experience, at least, right? Like, I, I think you do a really good job of that. And I think I think that your guests feel that too. There's, there's a level of comfort and intimacy. It's like being let in on a, a private conversation between friends. And it, it, it really feels nice to listen to. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah, thank you. When when you were when you were starting off, I'm I'm curious if you had role models that you were modeling yourself after as you're have you just been doing this. Um well I really like Fresh Air on NPR. Um not that she's a podcaster. Um Well if if you're gonna cross the lines between improvisation and podcasting, you may as well bring in radio as well. Yeah. So um Terry Gross, right? Is that her? I think Yes. Fresh air with Terry. Fresh air. Yeah. So she's good. And I love that she's, she's vulnerable and takes risks with people. And it's just really personable. Like there are not a lot of interviews 
do that, right? Like they're not themselves. They just mirrors my list. Um, I think Jess Lively, who is the Lively Show, she's a podcast. She does a really nice job with interview style, um, and she's very buttoned up. You can tell she does her homework, um, which is really welcome. You know, when an audience knows, hey, this person has read the book or you know read all the books. <laughs> like you, there's there's that depth of knowledge that comes out of that. Um, I would say Michelle Ward does a really lovely job of being authentically her. She's um, she was a theater actress, uh, Broadway actress before she became a life coach, and she's a lot of fun. And I just love that she puts her personality into everything. When you're listening to these things out there and you're trying to figure out what you want to model, I'm, I'm curious how you prepare yourself for a podcast. How, what what sorts of preparation do you do before you have a guest on? That's a good question. I will say that to begin, like when I started out, I picked a lot of people that I already knew fairly well. Um, and that was for a couple reasons. I wanted to make sure that probably that the authentic me came out because I wanted people to feel like, I don't know, I wanted to feel like I could be genuine. Not that I can't be with genu genuine with people I don't know, but it gave me a nice launch pad, if you will. Um, I'm careful to read the most recent book, at least, of someone. So when I interviewed um, Alison Arngrim slash Nellie Olson, um, she has a great book. And I, I made sure to read it, you know, cover to cover. I looked for other interviews with her because I wanted to hear what other people asked and get a sense, of, actually, of her answers. You know, if there's a story that's not in that book that might be interesting or tied into the joy kind of trajectory, I want to make sure I can capture that. So, um so where you are right now, you've uh, you've launched your podcast. You've got, uh, I think, 17 episodes out now. You're good. Yeah, I'm working on 18 right now. So you got that. You've got um, you've got some clients. You've got your life coach process going. Um, I'm, I'm curious, where do you want to take the business next? What what are you thinking about doing next? That's a great question, too. Um, I would like I mean, obviously, in the next year to be solo and be supporting myself as much as possible. I want to make sure that I've diversified enough so that I love one-on-one coaching. Um, I want to spread it out a little bit uh, just so it's not all based on that one thing. Um, so I'm thinking over the next year, probably some group kind of coaching class kind of thing. And I don't know exactly what that is yet. I'm working on a couple of collaborations actually with people where we're really all just starting to talk about it and trying to figure out what that would be. Probably summer or fall of next year. Um, one might have to do with moms. Um, a couple of, so based on just even my own experience and another mom who was actually Brooke Sydney um, Jackson, who was episode 17, she's the one that just went up, also had kind of this interesting mothering experience. And so I think we may, we're, we're talking about doing something along with another one of the coaches that I worked, that I went through the program with. I have, <laughs> I have a Lent book in the works <laughs> with also as a collaboration with a pastor friend, um, 40 days of Lent, like the Lenten journey, again, transformation. Um, that would be an ebook that we were, were thinking of releasing, you know, this year or next. So you're diversifying, you're, you're, you're doing classes, you're doing uh, individual coaching. Um, and in fact, I think one of your podcast episodes, you did it as a, as a, as a sort of a webinar with a bunch of people that, that was really fascinating. 
Yeah, thank you. That was, it was fun to do it. And it was interesting to be live because, I mean, my goodness, like, I mean, retreat work is live, improv is live. So maybe that's why I was drawn to it. And it wasn't very frightening to me, but it was also, I haven't seen a lot of live interactive type experiences on podcasts. So I will probably also keep trying that kind of thing. Yeah. Webinars are fun. I like webinars. What uh, what tools did you use for that webinar? I didn't actually attend the webinar, but I saw, I listened to it in the podcast. I used Webinar Jam, which is, it sits on top of Google Hangout, and it offers, so in addition to Google Hangout, it offers, I don't know, polling and a bunch of things. It also has a backup of, um, you can replay the webinar itself, and it looks like it's live, <laughs> which I don't know if that's really a benefit. Like, if you're not really in the room with the people, that's kind of weird. Um but also sharing and uh, so replay and um, email stuff that's built in that I don't think is a part of Google Hangouts. In putting together what you've been doing so far, you know, you've been you've been building this up for the last year. Are there things that you feel like you, you wish you'd done differently up to this point? So I think it's all process stuff. And some of it, I mean, how much can you really know up front? Um, I might have jumped to uh, what there's Satori app, which is a product um it's meant more around coaching but it, it does um onboarding really nicely for like new clients so you're not manually sending out the email that says welcome and here's my my pre-session questionnaire and here's the contract like it just automates a lot of that stuff so i might have benefited from starting from that but i think there's also something really beautiful about knowing okay i like sending these things to people like so doing it manually before you actually go with a you know, automated tool. And on the podcast side, maybe just giving my, really being real about how long it takes to edit stuff, because I think it does take longer than I even still give it credit for. <laughs> so you talked about uh, bringing on an editor. Have you thought about having a virtual assistant? I have. Um, I have not even really researched it. Um, I don't know if that's perfectionism or if that's just like uh, cheapskatedness. I don't, I don't know which one it is. A practicality. I mean, you're still you're still starting the business. You might not have the have the revenue stream to support something like that. Yeah, well, and I would love to. I mean, and I think one of something that I'm good at is compartmentalizing stuff to just say, hey, you could do this piece, and here it is, and here's a really nice write up of how it works. And like, I'm totally cool with delegating. So I think when the time comes, it will be. It'll be fun. It'll be very interesting to see, like, am I as good as I say I am? Because it could be very frightening to be like, here's my editing. I'm my baby. Like, <laughs> do I really trust them with it? I think that, that that could take excellent advantage of your project management background, yes. honestly. I think that is where you have to jump over to that and not make it about yourself, but about I've got to get so much done and there's no other way. So where can people find you if they want to find out more about what you've been doing, in particular, if they're looking for a transformational life coach? Well, I would encourage you to visit my website, apollajenkinsonline.com. Obviously, the podcast is jumpstartyourjoy.com. Interestingly, my old blog name is Welcoming Spirit. So on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all those places, I'm Welcoming Spirit. <laughs> so, um, Instagram is probably my favorite along with Facebook. How are you promoting this, this business of yours? Because, you know, these days you have to be out on social media and tweeting and Instagramming and Pinteresting. What are you doing around that? I'm going to grow community around Facebook and Instagram because I feel like those are my favorites. Um, I don't 
it's not that I'm not on Twitter. Uh, I just feel like I'm screaming in a loud hallway. And like, if somebody pays it, I just don't feel like there's the, there's a connection. I don't feel a connection on Twitter. So I'm sure I don't seem connected on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so that's probably a place for me to broadcast a few things, but not really uh, engage too much. And then I think Pinterest is really interesting for podcasts and what I would call from a publishing background a while back, but like evergreen content, stuff that has a shelf life that could go out or be, a, you know, something useful at any time is what evergreen is. So, um, you know, many of my episodes are just interesting because they're an interview with somebody that people might connect with. And so really making sure that I'm optimizing and making, you know, the long vertical images for stuff on Pinterest, I think is, is one way that I'm trying to get that growth. Well, cool. This this has been really fascinating. And I, I, I appreciate you making the time to come and talk with us and share all of those resources and tips with our uh, with our listeners. Of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a joy to get to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. It, it has been a joy talking with you as well. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>